Hey, tonight I want you to um, take a moment to think about prayer. I don't know about you, but when I was a little kid, we had this prayer, gentle Jesus, meek and mild, look upon this little child. I can't remember the rest of it, but that, what is it? And if I die before I wake, <laughs> yeah. You want to come up and do it, Glenn? <laughs> I think you're going to get the meaning. What I'm trying to say to you is I have been surrounded by prayer since I was a small, small child. So to me, prayer is not an unusual thing. But to the average non-Christian, they're going to walk past and hear you praying and think, this person belongs in a mental ward because they're talking to themselves. They don't realise that what prayer is, is this natural conversation. In this weather, we have many discussions with the youngies um, in the pool. We talk theology in the pool. We talk all sorts of instructional subjects in the pool. And Glennis and I try to pass on the wisdom of our age to these younger, younger ones. But there's a, something that I'm still coming to terms with, and that's all of the different terminology that the younger generation... Who's heard of a word called ghosting? Oh, look, look, look at the average age of the people putting their hands up. For us old folks, I'll tell you what ghosting is. It's a social media term to describe the disillusion of relationships. In other words, relationships falling apart. Apparently, there's even a show about it on MTV. Not that I watch MTV, but there's a show about ghosting. Now, this is how it works. One person simply cuts off all communication with the other. It happens, like I said, mostly in romantic relationships. One person loses interest, and instead of saying, drop dead, Fred, they say... I don't think we should see each other anymore. Instead of saying that, not even that, they just go silent. And the person just doesn't take their calls anymore. They don't return text messages. They don't return emails. Look, I wish people wouldn't return emails because I'm drowning in emails. Anyone else drowning in emails? Just the three of us, okay. <laughs> When someone ghosts you, they treat you as if you don't even exist. Hence the term. I was thinking this week that maybe, just maybe, we're guilty of ghosting God. Think about that. God's trying to talk to us. And we're just ghosting him. No reply. No communication. When he so dearly longs to help us in our life. When he's reached out to us time and time again. When he's lavished us with his grace. And more blessings than we will ever deserve. So I want to ask you this question. How can you possibly live the Christian life without prayer. I don't know whether you notice this, but Glennis and I get on pretty well. 
Unless we're driving in a car, that's a different matter. <laughs> Ask any of our kids, they all go, Mum and Dad, will you stop squabbling? It's the only time we ever squabble is in the car. Because Glennis tells me how to drive and she has no idea how to navigate or which direction or where she's going. In fact, one time we were in Wales and we were driving along. Glennis is just sliding down in her chair. And Glennis is the sort of person, when we taught our kids to drive, Jared used to accuse me of saying nothing at all, just sitting there, and then he would say, you know, four millimetres before the corner, because he never exaggerates, you'd say, turn here. (laughs) Glennis, on the other hand, when she was teaching the kids to drive, if she wanted them to stop at Sunbury Lights, she'd be going, slow down, slow down, slow down, over in Granville. (laughs) She even nags me about my driving when she's asleep. You think I'm kidding. We were driving along in Wales, right? There's all these signs up there. I swear that Wales is a Pentecostal place. So it's like all these words up there. And I'm driving along. Glennis is sitting there like this, sound asleep, which is really unusual for her. We come to a roundabout. I put my foot on the brake. She gently sort of wakes up and goes, Stows, 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 stows. And I'm what? What? (laughs) It was halfway between stop and slow. Stop and slow, stows. So I got stowsed at. Why was I telling you that story? I can't remember. I know what I was saying. We have a great relationship. But that relationship would not exist without baseline communication. We talk. Sometimes I talk too much. I know that you find that really hard to believe. But Glennis is great. I need Glennis in my life because I get off on tangents and I know you'd find that really hard to We can't live the Christian life without prayer any more than we could live a meaningful relationship with someone we love without constant communication and feedback. What is it in our thick skulls we don't understand that that is just what it's like in our relationship with God? And that's where prayer comes in. Maybe you've experienced days, even weeks, when your prayer life gets overlooked where it's a bit of a cursory prayer time, you know, like maybe, you know, thank you, Jesus, for my family, food and friends, amen. And I don't know about you, but if you grow up in a big family, um, the younger ones are known to become scone grabbers while the grace is happening so that they don't miss out. But if your prayer life has descended into only a token formality in your walk with God. You are missing out on the richness of the love of God in your life. It's not like we're overtly turning our back on God, but it's like we've kind of ghosted him, kind of shut him out, you know, because what you're really saying 
If I don't talk to Glennis, if I ignore her all the time, I'm actually sending her a very strong message. If you do the same with God, you're also sending him an incredibly strong message. And in this day and age, when we want immediate answers to everything known to man, have you noticed how that happens? You know, I mean, back in the old days, like things took a lot longer, but people are more impatient now with all of the great little time-saving devices that we've got. Sometimes when answers don't come immediately, we deceive ourselves into thinking that while we are praying, God is not listening. Can you get your head around that? We ghost God in our communication. And then we wonder why when we pray, we say things like, I pray, but it feels like it's just bouncing off the wall or the ceiling. Hello? We actually sometimes accuse God of ghosting us when we are ghosting him. Mother Teresa once said this, all difficulties in prayer can be traced to one cause. Listen to this. Praying as if God were absent. Praying as if God were absent. Because that is a faithless prayer. That is a prayer that is insulting to God. To pray but not really believe that we're actually communicating with God. He's not absent. He is not ghosting you. He hears your prayers. Last week we talked about the role of scripture in our daily life. And this week we're going to look at in some detail about how it is that we develop our relationship with God in prayer. These two disciplines go hand in hand. We have a a time of prayer before church and I was sharing that with the folks today is that I have not met anybody in my life that has a strong and vibrant relationship with God that doesn't have an active reading of the Bible and prayer life. And if you've found someone that has, I'd be asking some serious questions because the relationship we have with God is not a ghosting relationship either way, but it's a relationship of being relational. Amongst most Christians, if we're being honest, there's a pretty decent gap between praying prayer in theory and prayer in practice. And if I asked you, well, how often do you pray? And I'm not going to ask you that. It's irrelevant. But you know what I'm saying? Like you just go, well, yeah, yeah, I pray all the time. But if you actually really drill down and actually look at how much you actually pray, it can be a different thing. So tonight I want to give you four strategies in prayer that will close the gap between prayer theory and prayer practice. Number one tonight, make it a scheduled appointment. Write it down if you've got your notepads. If you haven't, give yourself a smack in the... No. Um, (laughs) Set a time and place and put it in your diary and keep the appointment just like you would if it was your boss. Now, I've got to tell you, if you had an important meeting with your boss and you wrote it in your diary, you'd darn sure want to make that appointment, wouldn't you? You'd just think, oh, better not miss that appointment because that's my boss. 
How about I better not miss this appointment because the God who created the heavens and earth is waiting for you to fulfill that appointment. Make it a scheduled appointment. In doing so, we follow the example of Jesus. Mark 1.35 says this, Very early in the morning, while it was still dark, Jesus got up, left the house, and went off to a solitary place where he prayed. That is a very intentional appointment with God. Luke 5.16 says this, Jesus often withdrew to lonely places and prayed. So Jesus was off to a place where there were no distractions. He made that time specifically to pray. He didn't just like in the middle of laughing and mucking around with the disciples go, and now I'm going to pray. He actually went away and made that time to pray. So when people think about having a daily devotional, they often ask this question, how long should my devotional be? If you ask me that, I'm going to tell you the actual answer. Do you want to know? How long is a piece of string? I don't know. Because God doesn't measure the quantity of your words and your love for him. He measures the quality. Now, I'm not saying because of that you should have a 30-second high-quality quiet time because it doesn't work that way either, does it? But we need to be intentional. If you've grown up in church, you've probably heard stories of the great saints of God who spent hours and hours in prayer each day, which causes lots of us to feel like giving up, doesn't it? Put up your hand if you ever feel like giving up when you read stories about some of these heroes of the faith that get mad at himself because they're sleeping in till 4am instead of getting up to pray. We used to sing when I was a kid a fantastic song called Sweet Hour of Prayer. Do you remember that song? If you grew up in the church, Sweet Hour of Prayer, Sweet Hour of Prayer, that calls me from a world of care, that bids me at my Father's throne make all my wants and wishes known. Guess what? In 2020, it's more like sweet hour of five minutes than sweet hour of prayer. How long should we spend in prayer and Bible study? The short and simple straightforward answer is as much time as you can reasonably afford, but do not say, I can't afford the time because I'm too busy, because then you're actually robbing God as much time as you can reasonably afford. Because make a start somewhere. If it's five minutes, that's okay. Make a start and build on it. A good target, if you can, is to spend 30 minutes in your morning devotional, maybe half the time in studying the Bible and half the time in prayer. You can start there if you need to start at five minutes of Bible reading and five minutes of prayer. That is better than nothing. Because God doesn't want us to ghost him. There are some people who will say, oh no, 15 minutes of morning prayer isn't nearly enough. If you're not praying for an hour, you're not really praying. You know what? Rubbish. Absolute rubbish. If you're not praying for an hour, you're not praying. Oh, okay, so God doesn't hear you if you only pray for 55 minutes. 
Think about it. What a stupid statement. That's the statement done by legalists. Jesus warned against legalism. And this is what he said. And when you pray, this is Matthew 6, 7, do not keep babbling like pagans, for they think they will be heard because of their many words. And you know what? I've seen it time and time again. I've seen people stand up and pray with all the theological thou arts and these and that, that, that. But what you hear coming from their heart is dry bones. And I've seen a precious little child say grace and just melt your heart with their sincerity. It's not about the numbers of words. In fact, Martin Luther, there's a great quote from him on prayer. And he spent hours each day in prayer, but he said this, the fewer the words, the better the prayer. Because sometimes what we need is that silent contemplation with God. That time not to just be waffling on telling God all the things you need and had a great day today, Lord, I bought a toaster. and you know, Sit down and shut up. Say, God, speak to me. You know what I mean? I don't think God cares whether you buy a toaster or an electric jug. But pray like you mean it. Worship God in prayer. Few of the words, the better the prayer. You know, sometimes when I have my devotions, I like to look at the river. And when I look at the river, sometimes I see the incredible wonders of God's creation. And, and I think to myself, you know, this is a more sacred moment than if I was in Winchester Cathedral. That time alone with God, contemplating the grandeur of all that he is. Secondly tonight, make your prayer time an all-inclusive list. What do I mean by that? When you've got your, have your prayer time, begin with an offering of praise. Always start prayer with praise. Don't be like the kid who's always going, mom, 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 can I have this? Mom, 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 mom. You ever heard kids like that? I'm like that. Don't just ask all the time. Stop and say, God, you are incredible. Those of you who've been coming to this church for a long time will know that Britty and I have this little routine that we've done ever since she could hardly walk. We're on our way home from church on a Sunday night. We stop at the pool yard and look up at the stars in the sky and we both go, oh, wow, our God created all this. That's a sacred moment. Didn't involve a whole lot of words, but it's a sacred moment because you start with praise. Then, once you've prayed, it's time to confess any sin in your life. You see, God doesn't want you to come to him with sin that is unresolved in your life. That's why the Bible says, you know, if, if you're praying and you remember that someone has something against you, go and sort it out and then come back to prayer. That's an incredible statement. Because the world would say, 
if you're praying and you've got something against someone, go and sort it out. Now, that makes perfect sense. But it's going a whole rung further than that and saying, if you know someone has got something against you, About four months ago, I had a guy that rang me out of the blue one morning. And he said, I rang to ask your forgiveness. And I'm like, okay, what for? And he said, in all of the time that we worked together, I have undermined you. I have spoken badly about you in front of other people. And this gentleman is one of my great friends. He doesn't come to our church anymore. But I was amazed and I immediately recognised this principle. As he was praying, God spoke to him and said, if you've got something against someone, if you need to be reconciled with your brother or sister, then do it and then come back to prayer. Keep short accounts. Then, after you've praised and confessed, then do what Paul says in the book of Philippians. Philippians 4, 6. I love this verse. You know what it says? Don't worry about anything. It's like, could you be more specific, Lord? Don't worry about anything. I can hear people saying to God, oh, that's all right for you. You should see my mortgage. Don't worry about anything. That's all right for you, God. I've got a car and the gearbox is like upside down in it or something or other. Anything. Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray about everything. I love that juxtaposition of words. You hear what it says? Don't worry about anything. Instead, pray for everything. It's not, don't worry about anything, just pray. Don't worry about anything, pray for everything. That's a monumental change in the weather. Finally, and thank him for all he's done. That's not the end of the message, that's the end of the point. What a great guideline to follow. What do we pray about? We pray about everything. If you are tempted to worry, pray. If you're tempted to be anxious, pray. If if you're doing things that cause you a concern, pray. Because it reflects a need in your life and you can make it a matter of prayer. When I say make it an all-inclusive list, I'm referring to a literal list. Have you ever thought of actually writing things down on paper? Now, I don't know about you, but I've got an iPhone and I put everything in notes. And it occurred to me the other day that if my phone breaks... I'm up the creek without a paddle. I better make sure it's all iClouded, which it is. But get a book out and write it down. These are the things I'm praying for. These are the people I'm praying for. Anything that would fall into the category of pray about everything. Cover that list every day. You know what? Pray for your kids. Glennis and I have always prayed for our kids. If you've got a job, why don't you pray for your job? And thank God that you've actually got a job. Pray for your parents' health. Pray for your health. Pray for your financial needs. Pray for your friend who's struggling 
in a difficult marriage and pray for your neighbour who doesn't yet know the Lord. Do you see what I'm saying? That's what we're talking about, all-inclusive prayer. You can pray for each one of these needs, lift each one of them up to God and place it in his care and continue through the list. The third habit out of the four is make it an ongoing conversation. In modern parlance, shoot the breeze with God often. That may be one of the most difficult of habits to begin, but once you get used to it, it's one of the easiest habits to maintain. 1 Thessalonians 5.17 says this, pray without ceasing. What do you reckon that means? means pray without ceasing. Don't stop your prayer because it's the end of your quiet time. Be in such fellowship with God all day that you go, wow, you know, what about this? Like, maybe don't do it out loud if there's a shop full of people. (laughs) The fewer the words, the better the prayer. You can be in an attitude of prayer all day. You can also create triggers that remind you to pray at a certain time or a certain person. For example, something that I've been doing lately is whenever I get a text message from someone, this is other than my family, because I get so many text messages in our family group, but if I get text messages, the other day I got a text message from a mate, Chuck, that we used to do music together, haven't seen him for years. First thing I immediately did is to stop and pray for him and his family. I was tempted to ring him, but I said I'm going to pray first and then address the email. And those bullet-noted prayers keep you going all throughout the day. I'm going to ask Jared and Alana to come up now. And there's a lot of excitement in the Foley household because Britt, stand up Britt, and Ben, stand up Ben. Ben hardly needs to stand up. Are getting married in how many days, Britt? 75 days, but who's counting? Jared, how many days? <laughs> I love that. Jared, how many days? Alana? <laughs> how many days, Alana? 95. Okay. I'm going to come and sit down, and they're going to come and do a song that they did on Christmas Day. If you were here, I just think it so ties in with what we're saying tonight. Oh, have I mucked up your words? No, we just need to stand by
That was fantastic, guys. Hello, Glennis is proposing to me. I've got a ring here. Lanus, is it? <laughs> I better not lose it then. One more point. In the book of Nehemiah, we see an example of that kind of prayer. That song says if we continue to pray, to pray, then God speaks to us through that continued prayer. In the book of Nehemiah, we see that he was a Jewish slave during the Babylon period. He was a cupbearer to the king. He just received some very bad news about his homeland. That the city of Jerusalem was in shambles with no wall to protect it. And that left him greatly troubled. What did we say earlier before? Pray for everything. So what did Nehemiah do? He prayed. One day, as he was bringing wine to the king, the king spoke to him and said, why do you look so sad, Nehemiah? And you know, that's a very, very unusual thing for a king to ask a slave, as if a king would care what a slave was going through. Nehemiah certainly didn't want to say the wrong thing because you can imagine what happened back in those days if a slave offended the king. So Nehemiah writes, and this is in Nehemiah 2, 4 to 5. The king said to me, what is it you want? Then I prayed to the God of heaven and I answered the king. Did you notice the sequence of events? He didn't just answer the king. He prayed to the Lord of the heavens. Then he answered the king. That's the prayer habit I'm encouraging you to develop with every activity during the day, with each conversation, with each problem, with each meeting. You know, when I was a member of parliament, we had the parliamentary Christian fellowship that met every Thursday morning of Parliament, we met for breakfast. And there was Labor, there was LNP, there were independents. We all came together as brothers and sisters in Christ. And it was amazing to see what happened. And we would have Catholics and Pentecostals and Mormons and everyone. They'd all come. Yeah, believe it or not, yeah. We'd all come together and pray. And we would pray for each other. So you imagine the manager of opposition business praying for the minister for health. These are people that spar and carry on. But one thing I noticed in every new parliament, and I was a member of four parliaments, the relationships between the Christians in prayer, regardless of their political stripe actually spilled over into the chamber and people would be very respectful of their brothers and sisters in Christ on the other side of the chamber. Isn't that God at work? That's a miraculous thing. When Paul says that we are to pray without ceasing, he's not talking about just getting down on our knees. 
He's saying pray all day with each conversation, with every problem, with every meeting. Pray to the God of heaven before you say what you're about to say or do. The final point tonight, and I love this. Make it a team effort. You know what the Bible says about marriage? It says that a, a, a cord with three bands is not easily broken. A rope with three bands is not easily broken. When you've got a husband and a wife praying to God, the strength in that marriage is phenomenal. Make it a team effort. Barna Research in America, in one of his surveys, said that most Americans most often pray silently and in solitude. And I would imagine that's probably similar for us. And there's nothing wrong with that. However, it's a great idea to include group prayer or a prayer partnership whenever you can. Glenis, when Lynn Usher used to live up here, they'd been prayer partners for years. And they would get together and pray together most weeks. And you do that with Jenny Garn and, and so forth. So, that, you know, get a prayer partner that you meet during the week and pray together. Why? Because Jesus said this in Matthew chapter 18, 19 to 20. Truly I tell you, and if Jesus says that, you better listen. Truly I tell you that if two of you on earth agree about anything they ask for, it will be done for them by my Father in heaven. For where two or three gather in my name, there I am in the midst. You know, I hate the expression, oh, God really showed up at the meeting. (laughs) Seriously. (laughs) Oh, so God wasn't there. You were all gathered. You want to contradict scripture for a start. And number two, I mean, I guess we all know what what that means. But in every way, what we're saying is where two or three are gathered, God says, I will be there. I'm listening Whatever they agree on, I, yeah. In every worship service, we have a time of prayer. Sometimes it's easy to forget that this prayer time is not a ritual. When we call on God together as a church, he hears us. When we pray together in the Sunday school classes, kids' church out the back, you know what? I can tell you right now that God hears the prayer of those kids. And when you and your family agree together in prayer and present your request to him, he hears you and he moves on your behalf. I can't even remember what it was, but the other day there was some crisis that we were made. Oh, Dean Usher. Yeah. Friend of ours, Dean Usher, uh, Lynn's prayer partner's son, had a very, very bad surfing accident in Sydney. Came off a wave and ended up crashing headfirst into a sandbank and broke three vertebrae in his spine. So we had a whole group of family there and we just stopped and prayed right then and there. And I think that's what we need to do is cover every situation, not just a crisis. That's a no-brainer that you should pray in a crisis. But pray without ceasing. 
So tonight I want to finish off the James 5.16. says, confess your sins to each other and pray for each other that you may be healed. What a wonderful thing it is when people pray together and give it to God. Confess to each other. When you meet with your prayer partner, how is your walk with God going? And I know that we can get so busy with life and so caught up with what we want to accomplish for ourselves that prayer sometimes gets moved to the back burner. But I also know that there are times when you can be so beaten down by the cares of the world when answers don't come easy, if you're tempted to think God is ghosting you, he isn't. It's not what he does. He invites you into his presence anytime, all the time. So what do we pray about? Everything. Why do we pray? We pray always. And I've saved the key verse of today's message for this finishing up thing then I'm going to have the band come up and we'll praise listen to this verse Psalm 46.10 be still and know that I am God what an I don't know whether that gets your heartstrings and just tears at them be still and know that I am God that is what we're talking about tonight Let's pray. Father, tonight we want to pray as we've contemplated prayer tonight. Lord, for each one of us, develop in us a desire to speak with you, to be your people, to experience the anointing of the Holy Spirit on our life. Father, forgive us for the times when we haven't gone to you in prayer. But Father, give us a desire to be people of prayer, meeting together, praying, confessing our sins, thanking you and praising you and asking you to light our pathway for we pray it in Jesus' name.